This week on Media Delta, Tron. Hello, Cyberworld. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Media Delta. Um, today we are talking about a... If we're talking about movies based on video games, uh, this one is actually... We played a video game based on this movie, but this movie in itself is very much based on video games. Um, we are, in fact, talking about the 1982 Disney film Tron today. So, um, I am not the only one who watched it. Uh, I also have three other people who watched it. Uh, please introduce yourself in alphabetical order. Hi. Uh, hi, I'm Max, and all, I'm all about the Pentiums, baby. I'm Norman Rafferty, and I've actually seen a Foonly supercomputer. Hi, I'm Torpid Typist, and I'm here for this tight-fitting, not spandex. Yes. So yes, uh, Tron. Uh, very interesting movie, uh, kind made during kind of a weird period in Disney's history. Uh, they were kind of not doing great at the moment. Um, they're also branching into more live-action stuff than they definitely, I guess, are kind of used to, maybe? Not super familiar with Disney, but I do know that the early 80s were kind of a black period for them. No, they were definitely in a bad spot because this is 1982. And so we're coming off of, um, you know, E.T., uh, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and all of these fantastic movies with these great special effects that got everybody in the theaters, and Disney wasn't responsible for any of them. Yep. As I was saying, I think, like, the major... Wasn't, like, the ma like only even remotely big animated movie they did at the time, like The Black Cauldron? That was... Ooh, The Black Cauldron was not pretty. It wasn't, but I think that was, like, one of the only... Because what? When was Rescuer? That was 77, wasn't it? Rescue... Well, the Rescuers is the 70s. Black Cauldron doesn't show up until 85. This I... is, like... Oh, wow, is it 85? This is the era of the Fox and the Hound. But, but most importantly, like, Disney, you know, used to be making stuff like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and Mary Poppins and the Absent-Minded Professor and all this impressive special effects stuff. And then when the 80s... The beginning of the 80s rolls around, you've got these no-name people we've never heard of, like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Jim Henson showing up with all these big, awesome special effects movies, and here's Disney feeling totally left out. Yeah. I forgot that the Black Culture was 85. I thought it was, like, earlier 80s, but, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, this was produced during that period. Uh, so this was, I guess, their kind of big draw. Because I always hear this fact, and I always, I always get, like, confused if it's wrong or not. Because wasn't this, like, the first movie to technically be done, like, to use, like, CGI to the effect it did? Nope. The first movie to do that was actually made by the same team who did the special effects for this. That movie was Westworld in 1974. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the same company, Triple I, uh, well, there are four credited companies, but Triple I, who built the computer and stuff, did Westworld. They did the... Um, if you remember Star Wars A New Hope, there's the scene where they're going down, the, they show the plans of destroying the Death Star. That's computer generated. There's a film called Future World that has it. This movie has more optical effects and has a lot of unique things going on, but um, uh, a uh, there was already an existing infrastructure. I mean, it's important to note that Disney had to outsource a lot of the special effects for this movie. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, before, before I end up going on a tangent, that I did research. Uh, let's go ahead and start our questions that we have. So, uh, starting with you, Axe, um, what was the scene that you want to talk about? So, uh, I have to confession, I have never seen this movie before, so this was my first time watching. Um, and honestly, there were just a lot of lot of scenes that I really would like to talk about, but one that kind of stuck out to me uh, was um, right at the beginning, 
when the two programs are just talking to each other in the cell. And it just has it it doesn't have the same kind of like dialogue that I would expect from a Disney movie. It's very it it's weirdly laid back, kind of like a kind of like a Tarantino scene with less swearing um and references. It's just very much just two they're like they're programs, but they're two people talking to each other about their situation and it just feels very natural and it flowed very well and you know again like this is a disney movie you're, you're kind of more expected of like a sort of like a, a floaty kind of narrative they're there but it's it's not how you would expect people to, to speak to one another whereas the scene is it it felt very natural oh yeah i can i can definitely yeah that there is some pretty interesting dialogue scenes in the I can definitely agree with that. So yeah, I would I would definitely build on that. I think there's a very talented cast in this movie. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of regulars, uh, well, a whole bunch of really good character actors like Bruce Boxleitner, Jeff Bridges, um, and David Warner, and uh, and some other even the ancillary characters like we just mentioned. When they're on screen, the director does a really good job of letting them play a lot of stuff naturally. Because the, the scene I would want to talk about is an extended one where the first time they put the computer on lockdown, uh, whatever, Bruce Boxlander goes to goes to complain. And there's, first of all, the shot of the cubicle farm that he's in. Do you remember that shot oh, with yeah. like, the ridiculous amount of cubicles? Yeah. And he, he walks down the most 80s hallway ever. And there's this bizarre shot where David Warner watches him approach his office on the closed camera. And so what David Warner does is he turns his chair around so instead of facing the door he's looking out the window he knows box coming in but he turns his chair around box opens the door and then david warner turns his chair back to face him in a sinister fashion and that just cracked me up because it was like he deliberately set up that power move right there and i don't know if that was a directorial move or an actor's move, but the movie is filled with like little touches where the actors are giving this movie 110%. And that's one scene I would want to point out. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, the thing that I noticed, it's like, all oh, right, this is an eighties movie. And I just, uh, that desk that he has, that just has like the screen on top of it, just the giant glass top. And I just think I'm like, this is an eighties executive. That's a great table to do cocaine off of. Okay. But I also kind of want to point out, he's got a fucking touch screen and it's running DOS and it was so infuriating to watch that. Yeah, well, it's running one of those I know, weird I know the, movie OSs. Yeah, yeah, like I know, I know the time it was made, but it's kind of like uh, it's not like Alien, where it's got that vibe of you know, here's these this sort of a uh, retro futuristic kind of feel. It's strictly like a futuristic idea with a shitty SOS on it, and it killed me every time. Yeah. See, I I only thought like that keyboard must be incredibly uncomfortable and terrible feeling. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that is an aesthetic thing that is like this is a pain in the ass, but goddamn, does it look? Cool. You gotta commit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just like with the chair. It's it's a power move. It's like this is a really garbage system, but I'm gonna throw it on this really advanced technology just because I can. That it, yeah, it's that definitely seems to be that kind of character. So, uh, Torbert, what about you? That's a good question. See, I, I love this. I was tempted to say the, the light cycle scene, but it's pretty cool. But now I'm just thinking, going off of what you guys were saying, um, actually when Jeff Bridges activates the giant... Oh, fuck, what was it called? The Recognizer. The Recognizer, yeah. And then just starts flying it very, very poorly, despite saying he's amazing at the game. 
Yeah. And it was a pretty fun scene. It was also really weird because up to that point, there'd been like a lot of tension going on with like Tron and what's her face who I can never remember yeah, the name I think of. It's, and like, it... they're going through all this tense shit and then cut to Jeff Bridges fucking around in this machine and then drunkenly flying it. I was to say, was it, is it, it's Yo something, Yori. That's the name of the character. Yeah, like, regardless, got... it's, okay. uh, so, like, regardless, it's just, it's just this weird thing of like, Jeff Bridges is just being there, Jeff Bridges. And then Tron, Yori, or whatever, are just taking this, like, incredibly seriously the whole time. Yes. Like, it is... There's a, there's a, a lot of things happening in this movie. Um, and, and also, at the same time, maybe not. But, yeah, I... No, I didn't feel like there was any scene that lacked anything. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I, I just remember, or, like, more than I was saying that, is that there seems like there was a lot of scenes that were going... There's a, a lot of really weird delivery of the lines in this movie like i don't know if that was intentional to be like oh your computer uh, like your program so talk kind of kind of stiffly i guess maybe that might not be the right term but it's definitely not there's a there's an air of like they're trying to be somewhat robotic at least to me yeah i i, I yeah, picked up on that a little it's 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 not quite robotic but it's it not, rigid yeah a little stiff yeah. is, is is kind of what it came off as but it's it's subtle yeah there's there's a thing here of dual roles that the idea that the computer program matches the user so you've got david warner who's supposed to be a serious executive as dillinger but he's also supposed to be the evil computer as sark where he talks about yes i'm become brutal and more sadistic thank you master so he's trying to be an over-the-top you know villain but then you have Boxleitner, who's trying to be both the computer guy, who only gets a few scenes. But then as Tron, the hero of the movie, he's also trying to be a you know big macho savior of the universe type. So his delivery gets a little stilted. And then you've, of course, got um, Jeff Bridges, who's, who has Clue, the program, deliberately starts talking like Data or in a weird kind of robotic voice. Because they're trying to make the characters a little bit different. They're not exactly consistent about it. The movie has a serious consistency problem. I think that that's, I think there's just a big problem where nothing exactly quite gels, but I can get into that more in other questions. Possibly, yeah. Um, the one scene that I want to talk about is more of a concept of the of the, the film, which is kind of one of its major, like, like, major things that people remember about the movie, which is the combat, which takes place using discs. Uh, I want to point that out specifically because of, just more of an admission of guilt on my part because after watching the movie just to get recognized or like to remember it uh, was the first time that I realized that why they're using Frisbees to attack each other is because they're discs, like floppy disks and hard disks. I never caught on to that. It was always fucking goofy and stupidish. Yeah. That's actually pretty brilliant. I love it. Yeah. I, it, it was just like, wow, I'm surprised I didn't pick up on that earlier. It's, a, it's like the Miles Prower thing. But even more subtle, like that's that's a special level of pun, and I love it. Also, I bet you a frisbee's really cheap to get. Mm. And also, the frisbees were directly tied to the character that was their identity, that was their entire data being stored on that. Yeah, stored on. Uh, really, I mean, it's it, not like they had pockets in those skin tight suits. <laughs> it, it it makes for a unique fighting dynamic because you, the when a character has the disc, they can block with it. And then they can throw it. And at the end of the movie, they show off that Sark is so badass that his disc can attack multiple times. 
uh, and and Tron can block it. And that's a really neat idea and could have been used for a lot more action sequences, but it really isn't. I, I think, uh, I mean, is, as goofy as it might be, I think it's also like a great metaphor for the com- for the weird graphics of the computer world. And they made some pretty good video games out of it too. Yeah. So. Also, this was the eight, early 80s, which was a great period in movies for weird-ass like weaponry because wasn't crawl right around this time with the Goliath and also that that barbarian movie that has the sword that has three blades on it. Oh yeah, yeah, I know the one you're. Oh, uh, the sword and the sorcerer. Yeah, yeah. crawl was '83, so it'll be coming out soon. But yeah, and the sword and the sorcerer was '82, so about the same time. Yeah, that the movie or the the era of weird ass weapons and stuff like honestly i just thought that anything with the the frisbee of them playing ultimate frisbee looked ridiculous and goofy i never thought it was cool and that's i'm kind of glad there wasn't that much action with i actually liked the the frisbee scenes it was it was an interesting take on the id and See, I, it, I thought it had better things going on than the frisbee the Eh, I, I i i i guess i kind of liked it a little more because uh again like i haven't seen this movie until it was I'd my watch. first time seeing it. Yeah. But, like, I also played the disc uh, arcade cabinet. We talked about this when we did the Tron game. Uh, my my experience with it started with that with uh, two different games. There was a, a Tron late light disc game on a... Oh, no, it was a Tron game on the Xbox. And it had uh, the disc throwing and it had uh, laser cycles. Yep. But, like, playing the Tron game at MAGFest... Uh, with the, the discs and stuff like that. So it was kind of, it kind of made me go back to that moment where I was sitting in the cabinet, you know, and that's, that's kind of the other thing that the, the movie really puts out is that, that old feeling that I kind of miss of going to the arcade. Yeah. It, in it definitely consider, considering you're like, these characters are kind of being taken to basically be arcade games. Yeah. So it's like watching that scene brought me back to, and it, that was only a month ago. Yeah. Uh, as of as of the date that we're recording this, that I sat down, well, stood up in the yeah. uh, the cabinet playing it, and you were there with me as we were doing it. So you know, even even though it was only very recently, it just brought back a, a really positive memory. So I like that. I think that helped me with that scene more. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah, the, the funny thing about thinking about Discs of Tron, the arcade game, which we'll probably talk a little bit more about, is the fact that the actual scene of that had the discs in the movie um, was more or less using the discs to combat or for combat and turns into a really weird version of highlight, like straight up with the little scooper yeah. thingy. Yeah, that, that was that was very weird because you didn't have the scooper and the characters didn't have the scooper in the uh, the arcade cabinet. So now they're I don't think they were using their discs. They were picking up something else and just hucking at it each other. Or, yeah. It was yeah, made... they just tucked an orb onto like a, a ceiling tile, no less. Yeah, I think, I mean, if I remember correctly, Highlight had a really big boom in the early 80s. So um, they probably just wanted it as like, okay, here's this weird sport thing that's becoming popular. Let's kind of make it kind of a, like a weird cyber thing. Although I think you're in Highlight, you're throwing it at a wall. So Conf- confession, I only know about it because I've seen it on Archer. I've only seen, I only know about it through Miami Vice, so it's same kind of thing. Yeah, highlight is is like handball or squash where you're hitting a wall repeatedly. They in the video game Tron, they hit the ceiling. So yeah, yeah they did combine the because uh, there is a discs match. Like they have a scene where Tron faces off against four guys in a cross, but they decided to combine that with the weird highlight game, and it made for a really nice 3D cabinet. Oh yeah, that cabinet's really neat if a bit yeah. small. 
Also, it's great going through this movie with like my familiarity being the se- the, the movie they did a while back. Oh right, the, the sequel. Tron Legacy from twenty ten. Yeah. yeah, Tron Legacy, and yeah, also I saw seeing, that first. just remembering how much Tron got did dirty in that. <laughs> I actually haven't seen that, so I, I wouldn't. I had this. I had the same kind of experience that I did with Tron that I did with John Carpenter's The Thing, where I played the game first and then I saw the movie, and here I saw Tron Legacy first, and then I. I, I bet you that was a big upgrade. Yeah, yeah, huge, um, massive. Yeah, and I, th- I think we kind of elaborated a little bit more, but maybe we can kind of go a little bit more in depth here. Um, so, starting with Torpo, how do you feel about the settings and characters in general? They existed. Like Jeff Bridges was probably the only really interesting one because he only got the time. He's the only one who really got time to get fleshed out. Uh, everyone else, like Tron, was very stiff. The girlfriend was barely there. Uh, both the the programmers uh, just were there for just a few scenes and then fucking gone at the beginning and then at the end. Yeah, I can. Dep- and, and, yeah. And yeah, and also it was always weird seeing Jeff Bridges being sweet on the program who looked like his ex. Yeah. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. That's who. But like, like mm? kind of, I think is implied to be Tron's girl or like uh, Alan's girlfriend. Yes, she is. She is yes, straight with up him. Is. Yeah. And the pro- programs are are connected too. Her program because and his of the program. whole yeah user yeah. thing they mentioned before. Yeah. And also, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's a romance no. that didn't need to happen. Like. And it goes nowhere too. Like they, they they have the two of them kiss, and then that's that's it. Like nothing happens of it in the real world or in the virtual world. It's just sort of it's awkward and uncomfortable, and yeah. could have been done without. Yeah, I think the only connection that Alan and I forgot what the uh, I forgot who the the actual name um of like who your oh Laura okay so uh Alan and Laura I think in. I think in like the I know in the video in Tron 2.0, which I think might be the game that you played, Axe. Um, might be. Uh, was I believe they get married and you are playing as their son in Tron 2.0. I don't know what their connection is in Tron Legacy. That probably is on uh, that game is probably not king. But yeah, it's a very weak kind of romance that I think was there just to fill a check mark. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Uh, and if we're talking about this, uh, what else was I gonna say? Um. The villain, not the main villain, but, uh, fuck, what was it? What was the program's name? The Master Control Control Program. Program. No, 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 the Lackey. Uh, lackey. Sark. Sark slash, um... Yeah, Sark was a actually pretty fun villain. The the Master Control Program was barely there, again. But, like, Sark was actually a really good villain, really enjoyable throughout the whole... Definitely one of the more memorable characters. Yeah. Uh, It helps having a really good actor. uh, Also, shout-out to the man with the penis hat. Oh, yes, Dumont. Well... Dumont was the user, I think. Or is Dumont the program? Uh, Dumont, Dumont is the program. Dr. Gibbs is the guy from the lab. Okay. Yeah, Dumont was, Dumont was, I think, in the tower, and he was stuck in that weird disc. Yeah. yeah. The one with the penis. Yes. He, he had a penis hat. That was the most notable thing. That's P3N15. No, it was penis. <laughs> no, it was eight, no. Or no, it was eight equal, equal D. Yeah. Um, I mean, tilda, I, tilda, I, I, tilda, tilda. Ah. <laughs> so I, 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 I think the movie really does have a problem where the characters are woefully unrealized. I mean, uh, l- l- like we they wanted to have a comic relief character called Bit, which could only speak in yes or no, and it shows up one and a half times. Yeah, and like two times. Once at the beginning, out of nowhere, and then uh, midway, midway. getting some feedback. But, oh, sorry, but the the big weird thing that um. 
that struck me as I've been reviewing it is, okay, so you've got Master Control Program, who's the villain, right? And Master Control Program basically talks just like David Warner does. He doesn't use, he uses a couple of weird computer things. There's this early part in the movie where Master Control Program says, and now I'm going to absorb every program in the world and take it over. Um, you know, so this is the motivation. Master Control Program is going to take over the world. And if he's not stopped today, the entire world becomes slaves of Master Control Program. Yeah. That gets forgotten and completely disappears. Yeah, it's like they, it's like, okay, the Master Control Program was this thing written by um, David Warner's character, who, whose name I also forgot. Um, which, um, yeah, it's like, it was like, okay, you're kind of the big thing to keep the, the company of like, all secure and then it's like oh nope i'm i'm just going to just take over the world right and, and when we when they introduce like tron or flynn who could figure out the master control program was going to do this because they have necessary skill set and could remind us of the urgency that thread is completely dropped and and that's a unifying problem with the movie where we never get a lot of exposure in the characters' motivations, or they don't just—they just seem to do things because they're supposed to do them. Everyone feels weirdly disconnected from their own movie. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, I could—I could, I could kind of be lame and just say, well, that ties into the fact that it's a movie about computers, so it works aesthetically. It's just I like just, they're well, in a computer. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work critically because nobody liked this. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was also the fun thing, is it felt like Jeff Bridges was living his own movie. Like, everyone else was in this super serious state, being super serious, and Jeff Bridges is just off in a corner fucking around. It's it's He's on he's on the playground, and everybody else is is trying to, like, do their taxes. Uh, I, I, did like, uh, I did like the scene where he shows up in the cell and, um, you know, as Flynn, and says, Hey, just so I have a story to tell everybody when this is all over, can you tell me what's going on? Which is an interesting delivery because it means he's not doing the thing where in a lot of these 80s movies they would say, this must be a dream, I don't believe any of this, or or dropping lame pop culture references. He, he's somewhat engaging it, but also not revealing everything, which is pretty cagey. And that's interesting part of his character. But like I said, it's like he's supposed to be there to get evidence that his computer programs were stolen. And um, I mean, that's kind of lost when he's trapped in the world and doesn't want to die. But it seems like they're just missing the, if Flynn's scared he could get killed, that never shows up. If if Flynn or Tron realize that they need to stop MCP before it controls the world, that also never stops up. These would be character building and motivation things that just aren't there. Well, the other fun thing, too, is when like Jeff Bridges realize he realizes he can't die, it's like all any threat to him goes out the window and he just kind of keeps on being stupid. And also that, that whole trying to find evidence of his programs being stolen thing was just this weird bare-bones motivation that doesn't matter for most of the movie. And then they just shit out this little report on paper. That, that wouldn't hold up no in court. court. It would not hold up in court, no. It, it has would... no actual, like, it's proper just, information. It's just a fucking printout. There's no actual, like, copyright. There's no actual, like, connection. Signatures, no nothing. Single, nothing. Nothing. No, like... shit, we get thrown out so fucking quickly. And the payoff on it is so ludicrous. Yeah. It's... Well, the problem is the movie just ends without going yeah, into any of it. It fucking ended. It was yep. so weird. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say the time, like, I want to say, like, the mess from the time that the mass control program is destroyed to the start of credits, I think is about less than five minutes. Cause it's like, it ends, he dies. The printout happens. The executive guy looks sad. Jeff Bridges comes in in an helicopter journey plays credits. 
but the, that's, the thing that comes I, in in a helicopter that's what is the CEO me. now yes. because he killed the previous CEO. This is how this works. Yes, no, that's that. He gets that flimsy fucking evidence that literally we just get laughed out of court, and they go, "Oh, well, I guess you should be the CEO of the I, company." Then that's not how it fucking works. And, and I, I, I kind of want to, you know, point out that like, why is the climax of the movie he, he gets all of his programs back instead of you just save the world from being conquered by a supercomputer? Like that's supposed to be the climax of the movie. That's the thing. Like Jeff Bridges never took it seriously to begin with. And that's why I like that part of it is that it really ties well into his character. His character wasn't motivated by saving the world. He just wanted to, to you know, avenge his, his being wronged by this person he worked with. And saving the world was just some secondary thing that just happened to be on the way. And it works for his character. Um, unless the, the only two things I could think of is maybe that the the saving the world thing, I think that was more of a, they didn't know in their entire thing is basically to find this evidence in there. And just to know that because, I mean, also the mass control program was just completely destroying like their productivity, like they didn't ever, all the developers lost access to their programs. So they're trying to stop that too. And the, the only other thing I could think of is that him jumping in the MTP and having that printout come up is basically Flynn basically admitting or when he jumped in the MCP, finding the files and just doing a printout saying, hey, I know where it is now. But that that uh, also is a flimsy as well. Well, yeah, well in the theory, the Tron program, which is supposed to be a super program that spots any malfeasance and reports it, in theory, that's the Tron program finding the malfeasance and spitting it out. But they never say that, so no one actually knows that. Also, the other thing is, it's great because Jeff Bridges only really cares about death at the very beginning. Then he realizes there is there is no death, and just fucks around. That's all. Yeah. That's all he does for the entire movie because he realizes there's no consequence. Yeah. Um. As I say, we kind of went on about that. So I think we did. We all get a word in about the settings yeah. and characters. Well, we you totally didn't, did. You didn't ask me directly. Okay, Axe. Do you have any specifically? <laughs> do you have? Actually, I don't know if I asked Rafferty directly either, but. I just either of you do you have any specific thoughts about the settings or characters no i i just complain that i i think it, it the movie's disjointed that there were opportunities they could have engaged us and then didn't and i don't think those were good decisions and i think the fact the fact that the movie lacked didn't engage with audiences you know confirms that i mean so i guess i don't know because i didn't get that same feeling i can understand what you're saying now that i give it a second look and i'm hearing you know your side of it but my my viewing of it felt i felt a lot of enjoyment watching it even even the disjointed bits that i can look back and go yeah that seems a bit odd and yeah i could see the plot holes but i i gotta be honest i see why this uh, when you say nobody liked it that's not true this is a beloved movie it is a it you could call it a cult classic if you want or whatever well, you want I, to call I'm, it, I'm using hyperbole here it was a critical and commercial failure right and honestly i mean Ultimately, that doesn't necessarily speak to the quality of the film because, hey, you know, John Carpenter's The Thing tanked pretty yep. hard and it's now considered one of the most important horror oh, movies of oh, all yeah. time. It, yeah, it's, so, that, it's that kind yeah. of, I can definitely... Yeah, but, but this, this would, I could see why people liked it. Like, I could see why, you know, people still talk about this movie to this day. You know, there are definite moments where certain things didn't look super great and certain scenes didn't play out super good. But the overall feel I got from this was just this sense of awe of how this movie got made this way during that period in time and 
the settings, like the setting, like I was very much in awe of just the sets and a lot of the set pieces, just a lot of things that they did during that time that it looks like that shouldn't have been done. You could go back to Star Wars for uh, another example, just something so exciting. And uh, as far as the characters go, again, you know, it was kind of hit and miss with certain characters. Uh, Laura could could have done the movie without her. That's it's a shame, but that's how it was. Same thing with Tron's user. He's there for just a bit to kind of tie the two characters together and whatever. Tron, Tron is a, that's the interesting thing is as we more talk about the users and their their programs. The programs, except for Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges is just Jeff Bridges. But the programs are a more exaggerated form of their user, and I thought that was so fun. It was such a nice turn on on that whole idea. Is well, this is what these people really, truly kind of want to be. You know, uh, Alan wanted to really be like Tron. You know, a hero, somebody that people wanted on their side. Jeff Bridges is just like I'm me. I'm happy with me. That's that's my that's my user or that's my program. And, and Torpid bringing up that Jeff Bridges is just playing around. And it's so much fun to watch him have fun with all of his scenes and all of the stuff he's doing. And um, even though he's a user, he's not infallible. When he tries to pilot that machine for the first time, he's just fucking it up the whole time. He still he fails forwards for sure. But like, it's just fun watching the hero not be ultra competent. They sort of accidentally get some stuff right, but they still screw up at the same time. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's hit and miss. There, there's definite areas of that could have been improved on, but I thought overall it was an exciting and fun film. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I the I do like the quirk of the programs being kind of uh, based on their user. Uh, also, I looked up what the executive's name is, and I don't real. I can't believe I didn't rem- remember Ed Dillinger, which is a great Ed name. Dillinger. Ed Ed don't. By the way, according to Tron Wiki, Ed Dillinger Senior. Um, who also uh, Tron Wiki lists as having blonde haired blue eyes, which mm-hmm. uh, David Warner did when he was younger. He's uh, getting on when he's in this movie. Okay, because he looked very brown here to me, at least. But anyway, I just okay. So kind of moving on to our next question. So uh, Axe, how do you feel about the general flow of this? Movie? I mean, I thought it flowed really well. The, the the ending, like we've already touched on, didn't. It was a little abrupt, and it didn't. Really, it wasn't logical. But for the rest of the film, it followed a pretty good flow. You know, you had you, you're introduced to the, the programs, then you're introduced to the to the real world characters, and then you know we get to the pivotal moment where Jeff Bridges gets dragged into the computer, and it follows it follows a good three act arc. And I thought I thought it was I thought it was spot on, personal. All right, what about you, Rafferty? I mean. As much as I do love this movie, uh, it is frustrating, you know, to watch it with some other. Uh, there, there is it. The high speed action sequences and some of the uh, some of the the action that's going on. Um, sometimes, like elements are introduced and then disappear rather rapidly. Like when they get on the solar sailor and say, "Oh, we I hope we don't interact with any of those bugs." And then there's a shot of all the green bug creatures that get up and walk away. Gone um you know the or they'll wander into the whatever that weird red light district was with all the weird programs and you know they'll say oh they're just data pushers and they just kind of wander through it and there's no explanation of it they don't engage with it so there's a lot of overwhelming um visual information that shows up 
and, and like I already said, a, a lack of character development, like the reveal that Master Control Program might be bigger than it seems. Uh, or, you know, like there's a, like people keep describing Jeff Bridges as like screwing around. And it's like the movie has a kind of airless quality to it where it feels like it should be more important than it is. And I know what it's popular because, you know, you, you get that kind of feeling, but it never quite gets there. And I, I think that's a big problem with the Tron series as a whole that they, they somehow fail to make their weird world feel like it's full of urgency and peril. I, I can. Definitely see that. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely. It is like things just. It's a very much a things just kind of happen movie. So, uh, what about you, Torpo? So I'm gonna build on what Rafferty said, and honestly, more than anything, it felt like this was a movie that was look at our sweet special effect, which is why they have all these weird one-off or throwaway things because they're just showing off how cool this shit looks, and also just kind of making vague computer references at the same time. It, it's it's not bad per se it's just it's messy once again it's especially the 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 entire first part with all of the the combat and the games didn't really feel that necessary or really play into anything else in the story yeah i can yes yeah because i mean i agree watching it again it was kind of like what does master control program get out of making people play the games is that necessary when that one guy played the Light Cycles video game in the beginning, so they the programs have to go into a game grid so people can see it. We, we don't really know, and so a lot of this just, uh, uh, you know, it's visually the movie's amazing. Like, I could go on and on about how visually amazing all the tricks that work, uh, work, but in the end, it's not necessarily a movie. It's a collection of special effects. I don't know. I, I, I guess I never, I, I guess for me, I got so sucked into it, I didn't even think about those little things like that. And which, you know, it's an, a, a, a a defense of the plot hole. Um, if I could posit a theory craft on the entire purpose of the games, it could be seen as sort of like data clearing, a form of data clearing. To, you know, like the master control program's not going to be able to keep uh, access to literally every single app ever uh, or program ever. And that could be seen as, and that's just theory crafting. And that's more than the movie right. did. That's, that's fair. But the, it, it does kind of open up for discussion. And I, and I like stuff like that where sometimes it's just not explained, but it might have a plausible explanation versus something that's not explained, but just completely stupid and you could never possibly. Right. Or is he training an elite force of warrior programs? So when he goes to conquer the world, they'll go places or is he training up, you know, but, but that doesn't happen. Or is he training them because he want, once they become ultimate death machines, he can then absorb their functions and be better. But that's not how the movie climaxes. It climaxes from absorbing a bunch of non-combat programs. In other words, like it, there are these, these different directions that could have gone. They don't go any of them. And it, 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 it sucks some of the air out of the room. It flounders around a bit, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think good both point, uh, good points on both. Or from yes, actually, just really, really quick, it just reminds me of how like with the light cycles, just randomly broke through the wall somehow, and I was really confused. And he kept going through, and then the tanks went through, and I was just like, "What?" Yeah, that that is one thing. It's like, oh, weird that this program could literally break through. I don't know if the fourth wall is the right term, but break through a literal wall in the field. Man, I wish I hadn't written all those tank programs. See, I liked it. I liked it. But um, what I think in that scene bugged me, <laughs> bugged, uh, was the light cycles move at angles, but now they can move in full 360-degree direction. Because they're locked to the grid. Okay. I, I guess. But, all, it, 
Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's fucking stupid. Uh, it, it's a movie that never really tries to explain itself too much, and that both works for and against it, really. And, and like, I find myself, like, I'm, I, we all know I'm very particular and I'm very critical, but for some reason with this movie, I'm willing to forgive almost all of its little sins here and there because it's just so, uh, the rest of it's so well put together, the, the little issues just aren't that big a deal. They really aren't to me. Yeah, I, I never got that sucked into it, honestly. I mean, that... Uh, I can't it, believe you would fucking disagree with me, Torpid. This is it, bullshit. It, it's almost like taste is subjective. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I hadn't seen the movie for about 20 years, so um, I, I, we watched it for this stream, and I'm actually a little more charitable than I used to be because I thought the perform like I said earlier, I think the performances are really strong, and, and I, there's really something really good that wants to get out of this movie, but... Yeah, the complaints I've been having what was just like it you know, there's so many different directions it could go, so the directions it does go just feel a little frustrating. The whole red light district scene again, where they wander in this place and they could have talked to the locals or find out like why we care if they have in an uh IO port access or something. There's just like, like like give me something to hold on to, give me something to cheer for or to understand. And so um it, it's a movie with a lot of high concepts, but it doesn't seem to know what it wants. Yeah. Yeah, because especially, like, especially that scene, it's like, oh, hey, here's the equivalent of Red Light District. We're not going to dawn on the, you know, connotations of what that even is supposed to equal, like, equal, but they just kind of had it. It was like, oh, hey, here's some eye candy. Um, and I, I have to kind of point out it is a Disney film, so them lingering too much on that probably wouldn't have worked. Um, yeah, that also, yes. So we kind of have to take it, that into account is there's probably a version up somewhere where they did well, go into a little more detail of the Porny district. Well, and Disney's like, no. I think just like that entire district in general, because there's like these people in monk's robes just kind of walking around, no like clue of what their deal is. Um, uh, we, we get told by Tron when he talks to Dumont that programs want to access their users. But all most of what we get is RAM and the weird accounting program in the gladiatorial arena. This could have been, like, there could have been people queued up or other ancillary characters who could have been talking about how stuff is shut down or we can't communicate or this is detrimental. And like I said, maybe rumors about what Master Control Program is really up to. And if Flynn didn't encounter any of that, that could have been interesting. And instead... Literally no one talks to him. Like literally when he wanders through these districts, he encounters no resistance and doesn't have any encounters to talk to anyone. And you've got Jeff Bridges. You could have had some, some more excellent encounters there. I don't think like Jeff Bridges wasn't really as big of an actor as he was then, like back in the early eighties. I don't, but was he in anything? I don't think when I looked through, I don't think I saw anything major like until like, I think this is like one of his biggest movies at that point, wasn't it? I think. I'm going to be honest. Like, it says a lot about either that scene or me that I do not remember that red light district scene. It, it lasts like it at lasts all. less than five seconds. They, yeah, basically, you, they walk past like, like a couple it, characters. It's, it's after. It's, next scene, that's about it. Yeah, it's immediately after he crashes, crashes the recognition. And um, actually, Jeff Bridges was in 1976 King Kong, where he played a signature role. Which was a huge success, so yeah. he was a big name. Oh, okay. Mm. Also, being the son of Bobert also helped. But um, yeah, I think that's King I, Kong in 1976 I, was a big deal. I'll say again, again. I think we kind of all win place. Did everyone get a chance to talk about flow? Yes. Okay. Yeah, everyone did. So uh, I think we also talked about this a little bit. Um, so I think we're starting with Harp on this one. What are your thoughts on the aesthetics of the film? 
it looked neat, it looked flashy, and all the skin tight suits looked fucking stupid. Also, <laughs> you mentioning skin tight suits or skin tight suits is reminding me of Tron guy. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. But the fabric on them looked so weird too. It wasn't like just straight spandex. It was ugh. Yeah. I didn't like the way they looked. Uh, Tron guy annoys me because you did notice that they wear tunics and loincloths in the movie, but for some reason Tron guy does not. That really creeps me out. To be fair, it's like 50-50 if they're wearing anything over it. There's a big difference between somebody who shows up with the kilt on and someone who shows up without the kilt. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was neat. They de There was definitely a lot of like effort put in and all that. Like It did a lot visually, even if like I think it looks goofy, especially now in the year of our Luigi 2020. But uh, I, I still think the visuals at least were neat, neat and distinct. They were very distinct. I like that because I, like I was trying to see if I can find any detail on what they were actually made out of. And the only Tron costumes I can find are one based off Tron Legacy, which are a very different design. Oh, no, you're right. They're, 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 spandex, they're white spandex or black spandex with white markings on them. Like everything's black and white. Like like yeah. the uh, the original designs are all black and white. Any color that you see in any of the computer spots is added in post. Huh. Um, often with a gazillion compositing shots. They could only film everything in black and white because they had to do like a matte exposure so they could uh, you know later composite it later, and they have to do another light shot on the actors' faces so you could actually make out their expressions and all this light upon light upon light. And also this is despite the fact that the visuals are from a computer it's composited using optical film so they would make the the digit the di the digital look and then uh literally have that on a screen while a camera took photos of it and then they would have to like layer these on top of each other by knocking out the actors with black and then compositing them in, in three or four shots which would take hours to do and required a special film camera that had to be 100 in sync otherwise you'd lose hours of work and like like this is just like a filmmaker's like co uh, compositing like technical marvel achievement which by the way will not win a special effects award from the oscars yeah uh also explains why it had that weird texture to it i don't just mean like all the circuitry and whatnot yeah so if you if you see the outfits without that like it really looks just boring black and white but then um you know they had sid mead the tech designer who did a lot of stuff including Blade Runner and that stuff. And he did those geometric shapes, and then they apply the colors to the geometric shapes, and the movie just looks amazing. Like, nothing looks like this movie. Yeah, it definitely does. I'm trying to look... I'm actually curious, because I was looking up what the what all won that Oscars uh, thing. And um, weirdly enough, best... It, actually, now that I think about it, I think this is actually a movie that I think is going to come up in a Media Delta episode. Um, but the winner of that, the 54th Academy Awards, Tron was not even recognized uh, in this. Uh, Chariots of Fire actually won uh, for Best Costume And Raiders of the Lost Ark won Best Art, uh, Art Direction. Okay, so I can at least agree with that. Yeah. Also, Best Film Editing was Raiders of the Lost Ark, which again, it's... Chariots, I don't remember Chariots of Fire being that good of a movie. So I know it was All very highly... Vangelis, that's it. That's that's my extent. Of I mean, no. I mean, Vangelis' I mean, thing in that movie is the reason why we're going to take a look at it because it's been used in so many other things in video games. <laughs> also, I was going to say, but yeah, this movie may be more technically impressive, but I I do think Rage of the Lost Ark deserves it more. I, I I I would. This is technically impressive and interesting, but at the end of the day, you see that guy's face melt. It fucking melted so good. Ah, just melt that wax. It's on Netflix right now. Yeah, yeah all, no, all of them are. All four. 
Uh, oh, all, all, you mean all three? No, all four. All three films. No, I hate that, that attitude. That's, that's, first a, that's, an, that's, an, argue, that's an argument for a different yeah, episode. I, <laughs> I would fucking argue that one until I die. Well, instead of arguing about that, Axe, you said you really liked the way the movie brought you in. So what did you think about the visual effects? I mean, again, as I said before, I was awed by this movie. And I'm 34 right now. This is 2020. This movie came out. When was this? This was uh, 82. 82. All right. I get the same feeling I got when I watched John Carpenter's The Thing. You know, the special effects in that were fucking amazing then, and they were still great now. This movie holds up. There are moments where you can kind of see through the magic. Uh, and I could tell where, where the sets were and where some of, like, the green screens were. But it was still just exciting to me. Just visually, there's just so much happening. There's a lot of energy to, to everything going on. I know, computer. Um the, the color choices they, they went with, were, they just stuck out. Um, there were little things here and there, like the, the, the machines that fly in the air with the arms that kind of like stomp down. They didn't make any sense to me. I didn't understand what their their design was meant to be, what their purpose was in terms of computery. But Well, they're a video game thing. Yeah, but like, I don't know. But anyway, just like visually, this movie pops almost constantly. And there's just lots of color. There's lots of vibrancy. And the sets are all interesting. Even even when there's, like, lots of flat, like, when they bust out of the uh, the game grid. Um, even those areas, there's just there's a lot to look at. There's a lot going on. And even if you could boil it down to simple, you know, visual uh, wizardry, it's still impressive to me. And the fact that it wasn't uh, even acknowledged is just more proof that you know, award shows are fucking pointless and stupid and drew them all. But, but still, yeah, but Raiders of the Lost Ark beat it out. I so. know, I know, but I don't know. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark, but in terms of like technical achievement, I, I think, this does a lot more. I, I think this so, should have at least gotten nominated, which it didn't get, even get a mention at that. Right. Okay. That's that, horseshit. I can agree. And also, that's level. There's more to technical achievement than just visuals, but that's neither well, here nor there. Well, yeah, no, it's, I, there's just a lot that they did in this film that, you know, I really enjoyed it. I, I uh, kind of went in expecting like, all right, you know, it's, it's a classic. Everybody talks about it. Well, sure, fine. But no, I, I really got pulled in and, you know, it it did exactly what I it, it set out to do and better, I think. Not better than Raiders of the Lost Ark, just better than what I was anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, going going back to me real quick, I'm going to be honest, there's not a human being alive that is flattered by spandex, especially when it looks like that. They all looked kind of goofy. And once again, we had a man trapped in a disc with a penis hat. Yeah, that that's actually the only design I had an issue with, personally, is I sat there during that scene wondering what the entire point of his outfit was. What what's the what's the um uh like, word like the, the uh, functional usefulness? Yes. Why? What's the functionality of this outfit? It doesn't serve any purpose. Does it connect him to the tower? Okay. And all the data. What is it? But fuck that. All I wanted him to do was spin in place, wiggle his hands, and say "wee." <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, you know, I didn't I didn't mind the outfits as much as Torpid did. But then again, I don't. I I actually kind of like spandex. So, uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, I don't know. I uh, visually, it's it's just it was breathtaking to me, and um, I think they nailed down the aesthetics of uh, a computer interact interacting with computer, and then of course you know the the uh, arcade scene at the start brought me back to the days of going to the arcade. So yep. 
I like that I could specifically point out uh, that someone was playing Phoenix. <laughs> um, yeah, my thoughts on the aesthetics is just I I love it when a something is going for a design that's not supposed to be like based off of really anything in particular. And this just seems to be a thing that's like it's trying to be its own thing starting from scratch and kind of ending up in its own little world. Like I I do like the way I I've not seen Tron Legacy, but I've looked up what the uh, costumes look like. I'm got to admit, I actually kind of like the design of this movie versus the designs in Tron Legacy. They look way too like sleek. Like they look like um, they look like a fancy star online two character kind of thing. Which I, I mean, was... okay, so let's back away from Legacy, because that is a beast unto its fucking self. <laughs> yeah, there, there's just something, like, I don't know what the word to describe it. There's something, like, wholly original about these designs that I just really like it, just on that, as goofy Rafferty's... as it is sometimes. Rafferty said, and I agree, no other film looks like this. And Raff... that's, what, that's why I like it so much, it's, it's so fucking unique. And also because it did, watching it did kind of take me back to the days of Reboot, which I love. Fuck you, Torpid. I, I, like, I love Reboot so much. I hate it so ugly! <laughs> ah! So, uh, I mean, like, it's worth noting that most of the designs in this movie do not use texture mapping. Like, everything is, like, flat regions of, um, you know, color. And if they have to show dimension, they'll show it through having, like, jagged landscapes. Like, like the canyons are never just on grids they're all these jagged angles uh, or they'll be um when the re- when jeff bridges can't control the recognizer it goes through this very weird kind of basalt canyon that has ups and downs yeah. if anything i think one of the things the movie sells itself short is whenever it's showing speed or motion it looks amazing everyone remembers the light cycle scene because that grid zooms by and the escape sequence is also a little dramatic because there's zooming and there's motion and then there's jeff bridges cloning and then the climax is some people kind of standing around and a vehicle that moves kind of slowly and then Jeff Bridges falls off kind of slowly. Also, but, it, also, no, it moves slowly until it doesn't. Also, uh, going back to the light cycle scene, the one thing I do want to point out that is very goofy is the little, like, they're standing up and then the position they have to take to get into the light cycle happens way too quickly and it looks really weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, it is it is fun to note that there is a street legal light cycle that you can purchase, and it's like a couple hundred thousand dollars, but you could drive your own light cycle. I yeah, see. I, it, oh, that sounds well, like a really gonna... good way to hurt hurt yourself. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish the movie had kind of doubled down on the weird kind of video game physics of turning at right angles, uh, the falling in slow motion, or the large landscapes. Uh, that if we if we'd seen more of that kind of weird interaction with vehicles and that kind of stuff, it would have, because it, 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 it's drawing from the vocabulary of video games back then. You know, Pac-Man turns at ninety degree angles, or the rally. You know, the, 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 that's just how that stuff looked. Yeah. And uh, the tanks kind of turn like the armor tank tanks in a vector based game. So it's it's drawing from that vocabulary, and because it it looks kind of like a video game with that everything is a black background and things are large shapes without necessarily being, like, literal. Like, the Tron Legacy movie literally makes things have raster edges on them. Well, what so. I liked about the, the design was uh, how you mentioned that it's, it's a lot of flat flat uh, surfaces, and then they, they, they use lines. They use line and color, specifically blue, to create angles 
and uh, sort of show depth and and shape. And the way they did it was just fantastic. It, it all really works well together. Uh, I I always come back to when he he goes inside the uh, the machine and just the set that they're standing on stands out from the rest of the background as very obviously the set. But you can tell where everything's supposed to be just by the lines. That's the only color that's really truly needed in that scene. It's just those blue lines showing you the angles and shapes of this particular structure. And I just, I love that. Oh yeah, this movie, like later when movies like The Phantom Menace and a lot, almost every movie after that, like The Avengers, would be filmed on a small stage with backgrounds digitally composited in. And this Tron movie is doing the same thing in 1982 with computers less powerful than your cell phone. And so, like, it, it very much predicted that in the future of if you had a good design sense and good directorial sense, you could make a bunch of people on a tiny soundstage look like they're in a giant epic world. Yeah. And and so it, it's great from a technical perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, also, um, I think we've, we've gone over this, by the way. I think this might actually end up being our longest episode because we have gone through four of the questions. And I think we've been going for an, about an hour now. So, um. <laughs> Not that we have to necessarily speed up, but uh, yeah. Well, so, it's just I, tapping his tapping his watch, just kind of staring at us. It's uh, Tron. It's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, to yeah. be fair, the, the the other questions are a bit simpler. Yeah. So um, I actually had a I had a, there was a specific question that I wanted to uh, posit uh, that um, I'm not going to use Axe's uh, rewording for this because I think he or uh, made a more uh, probably a better point of it than I did, um, which was a uh, do you feel uh, actually, I think Axe will start with you for this. Do you feel uh, more able to comprehend the scenes shown since the programs were made to be more humanized, even to the point of them kind of getting some details wrong? I mean, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take something that's literally just rocks being tricked into thinking. That's all a computer is, if you really boil it down to its magical properties, right? It's It's code running. And you're trying to take this and you're trying to humanize it that's the only way that you can actually make something like this interesting and tons of stuff have have, tr have made their attempts at this futurama has done that um uh my brain's falling apart at the moment thank you mothers reboot yeah thank you i can't believe i forgot about that you know you, you have we just mentioned it <laughs> yeah i know my brain is terrible adhd is awful but anyway um Lots of different properties have attempted to take us into computers and sort of give us, you know, does an app, is, is an app, treat, treat applications like actual living beings. And each one has its own interesting take on it. And Tron, I think, is actually the first attempt at it, if I'm not mistaken. And I do feel like none of these scenes would have worked in any other uh, presentation. Treating these the apps as people, sort of, makes it something you can understand. You know, if you were just talk about EXEs and DLLs and shit like that, your average person's not going to know what the fuck is going on. Hell, half the time, the people who work on computers don't know what the fuck's going on. I know because I dealt with my IT group a few times. Fantastic. But um, yeah, I honestly think taking it in this direction made a lot of the scenes a lot more understandable and definitely a lot more, uh, what you call it, relatable. Yeah, I can definitely agree. Because... Uh, uh, I'll have, actually I'll leave my thoughts. So, uh, Rafferty, what about your thoughts? Oh yeah, I see. I would I would agree with that. I think uh, it's supposed to like you've got this good idea here where they're trying to show the parallel of you know the program version of Tron versus Bruce Boxleitner in the real world or Warner's alter ego, 
and that that could be made into a weird phantasmagoria like just make it like you know it, uh this other weird world where flynn is considered basically a god but you've also got that you've got that weird disconnect where it's never entirely clear why master control program is clamping down on this religion of users like i know it's a disney movie and we're saying like well they can't show a red light district because it's a disney movie well showing a weird kind of religious you know idea that programs worship humans as gods while that sounds kind of neat it's kind of underdeveloped in the movie and it's kind of confusing like why they do that uh if um it, it the the programs are, are well humanized because we actually see some of them die because we see two of the accounting programs actually die and that's supposed to raise the stakes that you know when ram dies flynn needs to you know avenge master control program for making these you know, he's evil and kills all these guys. But it's also worth noting that people tend to forget that actually happened by the time the end of the movie. So uh, on the one hand, they are trying to humanize them. On the other hand, I think they're just, they're, they're kind of missing the mark. There's something missing there. And so I think it was a good idea and they had good acting talent. It just doesn't happen. All right, what about you, Torpo? So I'm going to keep it relatively simple by saying I feel it works in the context of this movie because it's internally consistent in the way everything works. Uh, though normally for me, this sort of thing doesn't work at all. I don't enjoy the whole humanizing computer programs because computer programs logic is so completely different. And also because me as a person, I break programs all the fucking time. So it just kind of loses any impact for me. Torpid's Tron would just be the programs randomly glitching out and trying to kill each other at random intervals. Also me slipping through the world at random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just constantly just like falling through the world. Just like, just like, like always like has they're like feet in the ground. Or it's... viciously vibrating into a corner up a wall, yes. <laughs> it, it basically, your your whole world's just a uh, Bethesda developed game. It's a nightmare. Game. Yeah. You're it's always walking nightmare. at an angle so you can go up any slope. Exactly. <laughs> but that's it's kind of my point, though, is just like my experience with computers has just proven to me that this sort of thing will never land, I guess, for me. But in the context of the film, I feel it worked really well because it was internally now I kind of want to see an isekai where you end up in a computer. Dude, that'd be fucking horrifying. <laughs> but it's a computer world it'd based be, on I, your no experience is, it, it wouldn't computers. be a fantasy, it'd be a horror. I, 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 oh, died, no, yeah. I died and was reincarnated as Todd Howard's personal puppet. <laughs> no! <laughs> um, no, I don't want to play hockey. <laughs> yeah, so my thoughts on it is that I understand that because I have done development in things like assembly language and base C in very rudimental, like very low level, like languages and had to like spend half of a year studying the very internal architectures of like all the bits of CPU. Um, so I can definitely see they get something slightly off, but at the end of the day, we're not, I'm not the audience for this film. And I think that this film does actually kind of somewhat illustrate the way that a intern like the way that a computer works. Even though it doesn't, it gets some things a little fuzzy. I do feel that it does get kind of close, like closer than anything else. I feel has gotten to kind of True, trying to like actually replicate some of the stuff true but i also feel like it hasn't aged that gracefully because computer programs and computers themselves have become incredibly complicated like incredibly complex compared to how they were yeah on. yeah if you if you were if we were still using the same kind of computational architecture of like uh that existed at the time 
then I would still say yes, that it still holds up. But yeah, with the way that like UIs and such, like I'm just thinking of how um, like Ralph breaks the internet works and how it kind of shows that that if you were to compare the way that that movie kind of showcases how like in just Wreck-It Ralph in general kind of does it. And, and, and I know that they're not going for anything super accurate, but I do kind of feel like that Tron goes a little bit towards accuracy, which I at least kind of appreciate what they're trying to do. Although I don't know how much that resonates with a general audience. Um, I don't know. Every time I, they brought some computer jargon, like it, it just seemed weird. Like you have Clue talking to his bit asking, can we merge with this memory? And then they slide into a canyon and they travel with the the glowing purple bits, which apparently are memory, and then kind of slide back out. Check boxes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It 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 um as a computer experience, it's got some of the metaphors and the visual, but it it really feels a lot more like a fantasy drawing its imagery from computers than anything that approaches. I mean, once again, you guys are complaining about the climax. The computer spit out the information that said Flynn was right, and all you guys can do is say, that wouldn't hold up in court. I mean, obviously the computer stuff doesn't hold up for you. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, no, not not really. That's not... No, that, that one scene doesn't undo everything else that is done. Yeah, there are inconsistencies. You kind of expect that because you're fantasizing the inside of something that's so deeply complex. And you're trying to create something that's relatable, but the computer is spitting out a document that literally could not hold up in court is not just basically killing off the things that it does get right. That's not those two. I, don't I think match. that's a it's a plot hole versus a anachronism, maybe. I don't know if that's a proper term, but it's a it's a well, different. Um, like I said, I'm not I'm I'm uh, I'm not quite. I think it's a good fantasy, but like you said, it, it's not the computer jargon they use in the movie isn't exactly accurate, and it's not clear why they're doing all the gladiatorial arenas to to, to gain stuff. It, it's like a fantasy where they have computer trappings. If it's supposed to be accurate to the way the computers actually work, you know, it, it's not like there's only one copy of a program. You can you know start another instance of the same program. Yeah, but that's yeah. that's the thing is we're not. I, I don't think they were going for I, accuracy. I, that's and that's I think where I was trying to say they are getting closer than a lot of other things, but they definitely don't get things a hundred percent. But they're trying to in a way that won't confuse a general. They're, now, building, we'll they're say, building off of the actuality and fantasizing it to a higher well, degree. What's nice about it is it is a fantasy because when you look at movies like Wreck It Ralph or the elephant in the room ready player one the computer the the modern internet is is presented as a group of easily identifiable media properties here's the gears of war game here are the disney princesses here is the iron giant and you can interact with like truly visual representations of your favorite media whereas in 1982 Tron is a fantasy world of weird polygons and shapes that vaguely correspond to the video games and programs that you meant. So Tron's more of a fantasy that uses those kinds of metaphors, whereas a lot of modern interpretations of computers are just, literal. you know, yeah, extremely literal or just, you know. Well, don't uh, forget, like, um, don't forget uh, one of the first Emmy nominated episodes of Futurama was the episode where they first go into the Internet. And they also did a fairly similar sort of literal interpretation where your avatar can fly through space, 
and then you basically go into physical structures that serve as the actual websites. Yeah. And they also they also had their own interpretation of video games in the future where your avatar does a Nick Arcade style thing where you're actually sort of in there, except not on a green screen. I was devastated, devastated to learn that it was a green screen and not them actually somehow being put in the game. God. <laughs> <laughs> but right I'm, i was just saying like today when people like talk about being immersed inside the computer it's represented as being you know relatively realistic or a collection of modern day video games tron could only have been made in 1982 that i can definitely agree with i think it's it's sort of that 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 disconnect works heavily in its favor because the more realistic we try to make these fantasies the more i feel they don't work super well. yeah because i hope you're sitting down do you guys remember the movie flight of the navigator I oh heard god of yeah yeah okay flight of the navigator would only come out a mere two years later and it would use the same computer technology they used to make tron and flight of the navigator has that spaceship that reflects things in other words this window of everyone in black and white with these big full color windows only a couple years later they would start doing photorealistic um you know rendering so yeah, this literally was the only time this could have been made. I keep on confusing the Love Fly the Navigator with the Last Starfighter. Also but... the same production company. And also looks a lot more realistic blending the human actors in spaceships. Uh, and and like after this, you get Star Trek The Next Generation where all of the ships would be CGI. So yeah, th I mean, this was just that narrow window in history of that tech win. Yeah. So, um, yeah, moving on from that question. Um, this should be a relatively simple one. Uh, Torpo, how do you feel about this being a Disney movie? It doesn't feel like a Disney movie at all. <laughs> That's all I can really say. <laughs> I, I know that there's a hidden Mickey somewhere. I just can't remember. found the hidden Pac-Man really. The hidden Mickey just sounds like a drug. I mean, I mean, it technically yeah, is, it but is, it's yeah, like exactly. But that's so. what they're also called. <laughs> um, what about you, Rafferty? I don't think there is a hidden Mickey in this. I, I, so there is. Uh, this is that weird period in Disney's history because a couple of years earlier, than this they made a movie called The Black Hole, which was infamous for being their first PG-rated movie. Um, Tron is also rated PG. Before this, all every Disney movie is rated G. And the black hole was also another attempt to try and get in on, you know, Alien and Star Wars and a, like making a sophisticated special effects movie. So I don't think Tron would have been greenlighted if it wasn't for, first of all, they're trying to compete with Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, PG and, and Temple of Doom pushing the PG-13 rating. So they were trying to be a little more adult uh, and, um, you know, they wanted to be action, adventure and special effects. So they're pushing the PG but to put your fears at ease, eventually they would create the Touchstone Films imprint, which was Disney, but um, releasing, not branding movies with a Disney name. Probably because of folks saying, like, well, everything Disney is supposed to be G-rated. But, um, uh, yeah, this was the, so this didn't even break the PG barrier. And also I think it's a little weird because you guys know that Pirates of the Caribbean movies are have the Disney label, but they're PG-13. I think that's after their, I mean... Well, That's yeah, after a I while. I think Pirates of the right. Caribbean, uh, the first one, was the first PG-13 Disney film. There's a big to-do about that. Right. So the, so Disney was concerned that they might be eroding their brand with the PG, and they did, you know, spin off to Touchstone for a while, but then they kind of folded it back in. But yeah, but th this was that Disney dark period where, um, you know, like if you've ever seen The Black Hole, oh my God, that is a depressing movie. And then mm -hmm. there's this Tron, which is kind of dark and confusing, and then I guess we'll cap it off with the Black Cauldron, which is incredibly bleak and scary. Yeah. I'm also just 
going on the uh, point of ratings, I'm always tickled by the fact that Spaceballs, when it first came out, was rated PG. Yep. I mean, 16 Candles. Which made it, made it, made it, uh, when I worked Hollywood Video, we had a rule. You could only play up to PG rated films. And they fought me very hard on putting spells in every time I went in. But uh, I posted the Hidden Mickey in. Yeah. So the Hidden Mickey, that is actually a very more detailed than, yeah, it's more detailed than it usually is. But it's uh, during the solar uh, sailor uh, scene. Uh, there's like a shape in the background that it is definitely a hidden. It's definitely oh, the shape. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's not the standard mouse ears hidden Mickey. It's Mickey with his head tilted to the side. You could see the point of his nose. Mouth is open. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I, I saw the Pac-Man for the first time, but I'm watching it on a modern 4K screen. You know where it's not getting. 4-3 aspect ratio, so the Pac-Man's so much more obvious now. Yeah, also, I, I feel worth mentioning that PG-13 wasn't introduced until about 85, so... Yeah, it's still... Right, because of, that's why I mentioned Temple of Doom, because Temple yeah, of Doom because actually of Temple was... Doom and Gremlins. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, Gremlins. God, that movie. But that gets into the whole Spielberg and Lucas putting pressure on Disney, and that's a different discussion. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so... Max, what are your Excuse thoughts? Me, it's 84, not 85. They changed the wording in 85. But... Um, so let's, let me scroll back up. Okay. So, so how do you yeah, feel about this, Dean Disney? This doesn't feel like a Disney film at all. And that's, I mean, that's really not a whole lot more to really say about that. It's not super bright and cutesy. Uh, it is live action, which, you know, still around that time, they were still doing more animated stuff. It just doesn't have that air of a Disney film. Yeah. Uh, so, um, now getting on to the actual, you know, video game part about it. Uh, so as of this recording, we have only we have taken a look at Discs of Tron and the original arcade game Tron. Um, do you feel, starting with Axe, do you feel like this got the game that kind of fit it the most? Yes and no. Uh, no, no, because that that strictly Tron game that you play with the mini games, yeah, it was fucking terrible and was a terrible representation. Discs of Tron, very good representation. Now, we did get a chance to look at Tron 2.0. Probably won't because I don't think we can grandfather that in. However, that is a fantastic representation of the games portion of the Tron movie. Um, honestly, so, I mean, I would say overall, yes. I think it did eventually, in the long term, get enough media in terms of games to properly represent the property. Okay. Uh, what about you, Raph? And you guys are, are so harsh on the Tron arcade game uh, because um, uh, I, I mean I have to completely disagree. I think the Tron arcade game is pretty good, but you're supposed to play it with a knob on one side and a controller that has two different triggers on it. Uh, and uh, but uh, even then, um, if I had to, there is a definitive Tron game, and it's Tron Deadly Discs which was ported to a variety of platforms. Mattel and Television were the guys who like made a gazillion Tron games, most of which are incoherent and terrible. But Tron Deadly Discs, where you run around and you throw discs at people, and there is the special that if you, you know, have your disc on you, you can block with it. But when you throw it, you have to wait for it to return, which has a risk versus reward. And as the game goes on, you get more and deadlier fighters with different moves. And that, I would say, is the definitive Tron because that embodies what is supposed to feel like disc fighting is supposed to be. And it's unique to Tron. So that, uh, I would say. But also, I haven't played, uh, uh, was it Tron 2.0 is what they wound up yep. calling him, or was Tron Killer App? I've not played that, nor have I played the the other movie games that they made. So I can't say what the quality is of those. They look very Prince of Persia. Yeah. 
um to i would also like to point out the fact that um i did in fact play the tron arcade game uh about a month ago when i was at magfest with an actual cabinet i will still say that game does not control well oh man okay uh, uh to each their own the using a joystick to control like an like a flight stick to control that game is not great the, the knob is perfectly fine uh the joystick is the issue um but yeah that's the only way you could kind of control that uh so uh Torpo, what do you what about you i think with time it got all the games it deserved that interpreted it fine and granted, the, mo- the focus was, if memory serves, but usually on the game, because it's really hard to interpret the rest of the plot, which kind of just... Uh, I-, I think, just in general, yeah, it, it got the stuff it wanted. I-, I don't feel like they add anything to the movie, because they just felt more like interpretations of what... I mean, most definitely. Like, that Tron arcade game is literally just, okay, here's a scene from the movie, play a minigame based on it. Yeah, like, like, they're neat, and they interpret the movie just fine, but also, it's, I don't feel like that at anything. All right. Uh, so, uh, last question, Torpo, um, did, so seeing those games, did that give you any sort of preparation for seeing this? No, because the games are only like within the first act and they are just this relatively short span of time before the grand adventure begins. All right. Uh, what about, well, literally all my, real quick, all my familiarity was with the games and also the bit at the very, very end, which doesn't even last long. Uh, and it doesn't really apply to me because I saw the movie in the theater before the games came out. Fair enough. Uh, so, Axe, you watched this movie for the first time here. Um, so, what are your thoughts on seeing the games first and then the movie? I mean, the games and all that only don't make up the bulk of the film, but they are iconic. So, in a way, yeah, it did because it prepared me for these iconic scenes of the light cycle racing and the gladiators fighting with the discs yeah it they took some so they took the scenes that you could make a game out of and made game out of them and they worked well except for the tron one but um for the most part yeah absolutely also we are forgetting one key video game interpretation of tron that i feel we have to mention uh the fact that in kingdom hearts 2 there's an entire world devoted to tron yeah uh and i (sighs) think so i can't remember if it was because i remember playing the arcade games at disney quest when that existed um i remember playing the arca- those there and i'm like oh the, the tron 20th anniversary dvd came out so i'm like oh i'll, I'll get that because i remember the game or if it was kingdom hearts 2 coming out i'm pretty sure actually i played kingdom that level after I want to say that Tron was actually the reason why I gave King to a shot because I really did okay, like the I, first one. I went ahead and looked this up, and I am mad that the design in in Kingdom Hearts Two is not Tron from the movie, but Tron guy in real life because <laughs> they they did him without the loincloth, and it's like, oh god. Also, I believe in Kingdom Hearts. I want to say they got um, Bruce Block. Uh, Bruce Block. Bruce. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they got him. Bruce Which, he's actually he he was in. He's been in every single thing regarding Tron, so yeah, he's wasted in the in the Tron 2010 movie. They just have him do a cameo. He doesn't even do the Tron character. Yeah, I said Tron gets fucking done dirty in in the second one, which is funny considering that that's the he's the name, literal yeah. name of this thing. Yeah. But yeah, also considering yeah. that considering the other movies that Bruce Boxleitner is kind of spending his time making, I think that he's probably happy to go and do Tron stuff. Because mm. uh, I'm pretty sure he was in a couple of those Sharknado movies, <laughs> or no, he was in uh, Transmorphers. Excuse me. Oh God, yeah, that was that. What a si- is that? That was a silent, that, that, isn't it? Probably, but yes. Um, 
So yeah, that, yeah, he I, does. Uh, he does voice Tron in the Kingdom Hearts too. Yeah, I, I just said that. So I think he voices Tron in Kingdom Hearts too, but I can't be sure. Yeah, that, I'm looking it up. Uh, yep, that <laughs> is in fact Bruce Loxleitner and voicing Tron in Kingdom Hearts too. Have to doubt Torpid on this one. Uh-huh. And he, he he was in the video games too. He's in Evolution. Well, he's like in all the games. You're absolutely right. Yep. Uh, yep. So uh, I think that kind of wraps up our discussion on Tron. So before uh, so. We can now get to the point of ranking this. So let, we are going to be ranking this on our 1 to 21 scale, where 1 being considered absolute mastercraft and 21 being considered absolute garbage, not even fun to look at, like or not even fun to even make fun of. It's just bad. So um, starting with Axe, uh, what would you give this? All right. So I want you to just do me a favor and give a definition of the top four uh <laughs> top, four? top four <laughs> names for the tiers because okay. apparently I'm doing this wrong. I mean, so so number one, which is Universal Mastercraft, that is basically there is extremely little flaws with this movie. It's not a genre thing that it's like only certain people enjoy this. It is a general audience will really enjoy this movie. Um, and it, or well, I guess in this case, movie, but this piece of media in this general. Work. Uh, number two is Niche Mastercraft, which is basically really good, although if like or like the top of a particular genre or just being really good and having some slight flaws that some people might throw some people off or just in general being having something lacking of universal. Like there's something up with it that can definitely throw it lacks off. mass appeal comparatively. Yes. And Legacy Mastercraft are just really good games, all the or games, media, whatever. And they just kind of um there's something they're older and have been done better by games like that it can't come sense it or movies in this case um but are still relatively hold up really well uh four four i'll kind of combine four five really good uh yeah that's yeah four five and six are just it's really good but not not quite I, i i guess based on that then i would stick i would go with two I would I would say there are definite there are some flaws as we've kind of discussed. However, it still holds up. And honestly, I haven't seen a movie do what Tron does better personally. Um, and I still think it it definitely appeals to a lot more people despite its critical uh, results. Um, but I don't think that it, it. I think because of some of the little flaws, it couldn't sit at one. And that's right. I am so sorry. Right. Yeah. So uh, Rafferty, what are you about? What are your thoughts? I mean, for the record, I love this movie. Okay, uh, but the problem is just like recommending it to other people because there's lots of stuff that I love that you know I would probably put this around. Let's see, your midpoint's what twelve? The midpoint, the exact is mid. Yep, the exact mid is eleven. The exact middle is eleven. I mean, it's a watchable movie that's fun, so I could put this at like eleven. Uh, but and it's got some fun. Nothing else looks like it, so you you I could put it at. I'm going to be really generous. I put it at nine because the acting performances are good. Visually, it's stunning. It looks like anything. But to be honest, it's not. It's can, The more you try to engage it, the more confusing and frustrating it becomes. A lot of people point out they don't like the ending. Uh, a lot of people don't like the bizarre pacing of the movie where it doesn't. It, it's hard to understand the stakes. And so as much as like look, looking at it yes totally agree but everything else about the movie i can't rate any higher than nine okay what about you torpo i'm so sorry x I, i'm going with 11 you garbage 
It's perfectly you're, you're dead fine. To me. I I don't think it's really that good of a movie. I think it's perfectly okay, and that is really what I feel. You're dead to me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would second fine. both. The effects are, are neat and unique, but like as an actual story, it's not particularly good. and kind of messy. Um. Okay. So me trying to compile those together. Um. So I mean, if you, I mean, I could literally just average it real quick, just to kind of give us a. Okay, kind of but start. Lolo, how do you feel? Yeah. Is the question. Yeah, well, I, I, did, I, 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 I just kind of want to see what this average goes to, just, just to see where it goes. Uh, that puts you at seven, which, um, so just a point of comparison, um, we don't have anything at seven in media. We do, however, <laughs> have some stuff, stuff at six. So in the kind of this movie area, we have two sixes. Actually, no, we have three sixes. We have the Mortal Kombat movie, we have Mappy, and we have, um, Hunt for the Red October. Um, comparing them to that, because um, I generally, I would definitely not. I would definitely say it's north of 11, it's like higher than eleven. Absolutely, I would even say it's probably even in the. It's definitely at least in kind of the bluish area, um, seven, eight, or nine. Um, the thing that I would say about it is that um, just there are some inconsistencies in, inconsistencies with this movie. Uh, the flow is kind of weird. Um, this can be a movie that you can really enjoy, obviously. I mean, as we're having our discussions, we can definitely see that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't think that it hits quite as high as the Mastercraft or even the Indigo, um, which are set or four, five, and six. Um, because I would say as a point of comparing them to the stuff that is in six, I would definitely say that I would even, I know Mappy's kind of, or kind of more of a your taste may may vary um but just there was there it was a more consistent thing with mappy um whereas hunt for the red october and mortal combat i still feel that those movies are more um co like there is more good to those movies than this maybe not a whole lot but there is some um because also just to give you a, a kind of a floor kind of thing for uh the two nines that we have which are the Street Fighter 1994 uh, movie and also Area 88, the OVA. Part of me almost says that I could, like, I could see it be put at a level of the Area 88 OVA, although at the same time, I could also see it kind of putting it slightly higher. Um, just because the OVA had some really weird things, like its ending almost completely killed a lot of our enjoyment of that move, of that thing. Um, also, there's some just weird stuff that happens in that thing. Um, and also the street fighter movie is just also a kind of, it's a fun piece of popcorn, th uh, like thing, but I would say even Tron's a little bit more coherent than that. So I'm, I'm thinking somewhere in seven or eight. I mean, if we're comparing it to Mortal Kombat Hunt for Red October, so Hunt for Red October is definitely a competent film. Um, and it's hard for me to, to say that Tron is, a I would put Tron over that, but I could honestly easily say I'd put Tron over Mortal Kombat. I like Mortal Kombat, but Mortal Kombat had way more issues in terms of story, pacing, characterization. Uh, uh, so I would, I'd, I'd honestly disagree with that. At the very, at the, I would, I would agree with putting it like maybe a five, maybe two is a little too high. I could totally, uh, totally agree there, but I couldn't see it going below Mortal Kombat personally. I agree with Axe, but I would just lower Mortal Kombat, so I should. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, also, to put it, I don't think it's quite 11 territory, because um, 
we have wizardry at 10 and i would definitely say yeah, i would put it above wizardry at least. yeah at least so it's at four of four of nine which i mean is okay, nine it, i'm perfectly fine with but i could i could not see this being on the same level as street fighter that was just a garbled i was, at least had more fun with i didn't i don't know i i can't agree with that See, I think this is the problem with rating systems. While I think Tron is a movie that I think everyone should see, because you know, because I think with the old rating you you had like for historical interest, I think Tron is a great movie to see. But it's to see it for the technical purpose. It's kind of like Citizen Kane, where it's like uh, um, a lot of people when they see Citizen Kane today, they're not as impressed by it because yes, Citizen Kane is technically impressive, but by now you everyone's ripped off Citizen Kane to death. So it doesn't show up that much. It's like it's a good movie to see, but if you're expecting to see like like a movie like we saw like even Mappy or Mortal Kombat, you're probably not. You're probably going to enjoy those more than seeing Tron. But at the same time, Street Fighter was only watchable because it was dumb, and uh, Roll Julia made that film. If if he wasn't so? in it, it would have been miserable. Whereas Tron stands fine just on its own. It's an enjoyable I... film without any necessary like. You can only enjoy Street Fighter if you make fun of it. Tron could be enjoyed just on its own merits. I don't know. Penis yeah, hat and weird ending. Okay, yeah. so it had a penis hat and weird ending. It also didn't have Jean-Claude Van Damme's terrible also, acting. Jeff and... Bridges was like the only real character in that fucking movie. Right, but still, the movie was way more coherent and had a better pacing and plot and overall acting than all of Street Fighter. Street Fighter was just super bad camp and, you know... You, you take out you take out Roll Julia's performance and you just got a pretty garbage Van Damme film. I don't know. They make a lot more memes out of the Street Fighter movie than they do out of Tron. I mean, that's... I'm not going to base I, my I, I, decisions I was say, on memes. I, I think that's also... A, that can be a damning <laughs> statement as well. Yes. Because um, yes. there there is an argument to be made about the... Um, making... It's, there's an argument to be made about the whole... Street Fighter is more of a movie that you kind of... you go into it knowing that it's bad and still having like it's the they kind of almost locked into it being bad like into it being funny bad because there are you could street fighter could have been a lot worse had it not had certain key things but it's what it turned into in the end that made it what it is whereas tron i feel there is at least an element that should be um at least appreciated the fact that it is for being original I do feel that it is that is something to be kind of noted uh, that they were trying something different. Uh, that is something that I can kind of give it a little bit of a. Yeah, but different can only carry you so far. Which is why I don't think it'd go much higher than Street Fighter is now. I I always rate these on how much I enjoyed it, and I stand by my stance that there is a difference between a good movie and a fun movie. They're not mutually exclusive, but they are two different things. Yeah, I do think that is also why Street Fighter got to nine instead of nine. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we obviously had very different experiences. I thought this was fun and engaging, and I enjoyed pretty much every last second of it, except for the last five minutes. And I'm not going to damn the movie because of a slightly boring ending. You know, it it wasn't it wasn't bad enough to say that I I could drop it by a lot of points. And that's kind of where I, I think I don't agree that it should go below Mortal Kombat because as fun as Mortal Kombat was, it still doesn't stand out very well. It, falls under the same trappings of some bad camp and you know some memefied stuff that still carries it but on its own i don't think mortal kombat stands as a, a better more enjoyable film than tron and that's just where i'm at i'm gonna try to not 12 angry men this too much more 
Yeah, yeah I think everything that anyone's <laughs> yeah. going to say has yeah. been said. Yeah, I think at this point, uh, it is the point where I am starting to, I'm going to have to, like, Make a judgment. everyone is, everyone isn't, like, everyone can feel how they feel, but at the same time, we got to put it on this list. <laughs> so I think I kind of got, if I were to put my own thought into it, it average out as a seven. If I do this and say where I, because I personally would probably put this, I would actually put it probably eight. So if I do this, like literally mapping it out, 7.5. So. Oh no. Do we round up or down? Do we have, okay. Here's the other thing. Do we have anything? We don't have any sevens, so round it up. Yeah, I was going to say, we also don't have any eights. Yeah, but round it up. Yeah, I I, I think we could, yeah, we can round this up. Sequester all you bastards. <laughs> Stick it with this for another three days till we come to a consensus. Damn it! <laughs> nope. I think well, I mean, podcast I'm... not lasting that long. <laughs> I, say, I, I, I have shit I need movie, to do. But I really want to quote Torpid's favorite joke, which is "Earthbound fan excited to play game for first time." <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Tron fan excited to see movie for first time. Or also, I was wondering. I'm like, why is it? Why are we like? I was looking at the number episode number, and why is it? Like, not 15. I'm like, oh, right, 15 is us taking a look at Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Which that one, also another one with a spread on it. Two tall tales. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sad you didn't choose the babified one, side B. I did. Yes. Oh, I'm so pissed that I'm going to miss that. Either way. Why yeah. did I choose not to miss Either it? way. <laughs> yeah, I think, we, I think we need to. Let's see. What's the time at? Yeah, the time's at an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Fuck. <laughs> So, we're a full length movie. <laughs> I think we're we actually longer than the movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all the movie podcasts I listen to are three hours, so we're in it on time. Right. How so, can you sit, listen to people's shit talk for three hours? Probably because they don't. Because probably... the answer is it's background noise. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. So we're putting Tron at at seven, um, which is still pretty. It's pretty high. It's it's above average. So yep, there there's Tron. There's that movie. It's at seven. Until somebody. Uh, yeah. Until we nobody's going to invalidate these. You say yeah, that. I mean, they can. Not for a while, though. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so um, with that, uh, let's go ahead and plug some stuff. Before Why we, are we not going to give it like uh, thumbs ups? Oh, right. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So uh, is there. that out. <laughs> <laughs> Look. We've been going for an hour, for an hour and a half. For a thing that well, I was made. To... Moving! Uh, I'll, I'll take okay. the reins here and say, so... So, since so Tron... Our, our, just to point out the categories, since we don't have the list up on the thing. Um, so, our categories for doing thumbs up are music, uh, music charm, cinematography, act or theatrics, action, and art history. Which, one thing I do want to point out, since it didn't really come up, uh, the music in this movie was produ- uh, provided by Wendy Carlos, which uh, was a pretty good soundtrack. And also she is should be recognized as one of, I think she is like one of the first prominently uh, trans uh, people working in movies. So Right. She did uh, the, the hooked on classic synthesizers. Wendy Carlos, Vangelis, and Giorgio Moroder, and you have the 80s. Okay, so well, it's I also thumbs up Vangelis. cinematography and art. Done. Yes. Yep. So music. Torpid wants out. Cinematography <laughs> and art. Uh I the only nay I don't even know if I go nay for it's like slow, but I thought I felt every I think we're good. All right. I think that does it for Tron. So now 
Let's go ahead and play. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, hi, I'm X. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Axe Immortal. And Tron is a great film. All right. Uh, t- to celebrate computers, because I think it's awesome, I'm Norman Rafferty of Sanguine Games. So this week to celebrate this podcast, Bleeding Edge, our game of cyberpunk and super fluently computers, will be on sale. At drive-thru uh, RPG? Uh, yeah, it'll be a, dri- a drive-thru RPG and Studio 2, but I think the sale's only a drive-thru RPG. Uh, I guess that for me, uh, twitch.tv slash torpedtypist or at torpedtypist on Twitter. And I'd like to plug this giant gaping hole, hole you all put in my fucking firewall. You're, pl- you're plugging a lot of holes in these uh, That's all I can think me. about. All right. So, it's a euphemism. So, uh-huh. yes, that will do it for our discussion on Tron. Uh, so, next week, we finish our look at the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog by taking a look at some episodes that I may or may not have totally picked based on what their Sonic segments was about. <laughs> yeah! Uh, also the final episode of the thing, but not Sonic Christmas Blast because I felt that one was cheating. Um, anyway, so yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Media Delta. If you would like to view the entire list of rankings for yourself, you can go to r3.ldp.life to see the residence and essence list that Media Delta covers, as well as the other lists that are covered by our sister show, Retro Rank Rhapsody. If you'd like to watch Retro Rank Rhapsody, you can watch it live on Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash puzzle. Or you can view any of the episodes anytime at youtube.ldp.life. If you would like to help with hosting costs, you can go to patreon.ldp.life and help out with a $2 or $5 pledge. If you would like to discuss this episode and any other episode of our community, you can join our Discord server at discord.ldp.life. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow it at HazeltownStory, or you can follow me, your host, at LoloDePuzzlo. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come back for a round for the next episode. <laughs>